What do I hide under my bulky robe? This gun in my hand. Ziljan, ineradicable hero by virtue of the fact that he carries a gun, stands at the back of a cavernous stone chamber filled with men in red hooded robes. Falk blends in with the crowd, his trench coat and suit hidden under a stolen robe, his notorious face hidden in the shadow of the bulky hood. The crowd groans and sways, the echoes of their eerie chant giving the illusion of hundreds of participants when in reality they number only fifty. The chair calls to order this meeting of the death cult known as Necotic Reavers Amalgamated. I have to say I'm glad Brother Zogal suggested banging my staff on the floor instead of using a gavel. This is much better. Let's begin with action items from last week's meeting. Brother Lycan, were you able to secure seven virgins for the coming solstice? We did, Brother Ted, but two of them died in captivity. We have men scouring the alleys for replacements. Well, you're responsible for supplying virgins. If we have to sacrifice any non-virgins, the first one will be you. Brother Ted, I don't feel I should be held responsible when I don't have the right tools to do the job. After one of the captives was tortured with red-hot pincers, our resident physician treated her burns with butter. Was that Brother Butter? Yes, complete quack. I'll make a note for the Committee of Bones. Prepare a cauldron of melted butter and we'll drown him in it. Then we ran out of oats and sorghum for making gruel, so we had nothing to serve our prisoners but wheat flour mixed with water. That's the wheat paste formula we use for adhering handbills to fences and walls. So now we're taking resources away from the marketing committee and they're angry with us. And you realize we still have lead pipes bringing supposedly fresh water to our dungeon? How can I be expected to keep captives alive until the solstice? I suppose you're right. For these lapses in our supply chain, we'll flay the quartermaster and increase funds for the kitchen staff. That's no fair. Why do I get flayed, but they get more money? Will somebody flay him, please? Item two, minimizing our use of bleeding candles. Those are the candles that are black or white on the outside, but red wax on the inside, so the melted wax looks like blood running down the sides. The cleanup committee requests that we use normal candles for all our non-primary ceremonies, since bleeding candles make such a mess. And anyway, there's plenty of actual blood without candles adding to it. I have a question, Brother Ted. The chair recognizes Brother Greg. It's about using red-hot pincers to torture captives? Yes. It's sort of a pet peeve of mine. Why do we take the time and expense to heat the pincers? I don't know. We have braziers with hot coals in almost every chamber of the temple. I doubt it costs us much extra to set pincers in the coals for a few minutes. I mean, it would be enough to just pinch pieces off people. If we want to burn them, we could heat up any iron rod. It doesn't have to be pincers. I suppose pincers are just a common item you find near a blacksmith's forge. Permission to speak, Mr. Chairman? The chair recognizes. Who is that? It's so dim in here. Can we light some more candles? Non-bleeding, of course. Brother Smitty, sir. I am on the torture committee, and I can tell you the reason for it. You pinch enough pieces of flesh off somebody with cold pincers, 
And they'll bleed to death from the open wounds. Sometimes it happens before you can get information out of them. After that, there's nothing Brother Butter could do to bring them back. Dr. Brother Butter. With red-hot pincers, you pull a piece of flesh off, and it's instantly cauterized. No bleeding. And less cleanup, thank you very much. Still, you could accomplish that with a red-hot poker. Does the victim even feel his flesh being pinched off if the pincers are red-hot? I assume they feel the heat instead of the pinching. Making the pincers red-hot just seems like an unnecessary extra layer. It's a hat on a hat. A what? It's like if you're wearing a hat and you put another hat on top of it. Well, nobody does that. Exactly, that's my point. You're not making sense. It would be like a vampire with a Tommy gun. That sounds neat, actually. I would watch that. But you watch a vampire movie because you want to see him turn into a bat and charm ladies and drink their blood and maybe hypnotize some men if necessary, but, you know, probably stick to ladies if possible. If you wanted to watch a gunfight, you'd see a Cagney movie or George Raft or Edward G. Robinson. Say, what if Edward G. Robinson played the vampire with the Tommy gun? Sounds swell. Hot dog. Yeah, that'd be a doozy. I'm tabling the discussion of Brother Greg's cost-saving proposal for cold pincers. Are there any other new motions or proposals? If nobody else is going to go, I have something else. The chair recognizes Brother Greg. I love you guys. I want only the best for this cult. Bottom line, we join Nicotic Reavers Amalgamated because we love blood. We love inflicting pain. We love watching the light go out of our victims' eyes. We are a brotherhood of murderers. But there's, what, four dozen of us? We have a pretty high turnover rate, and we can't recruit enough to keep up. Just since the start of today's meeting, our chairman sentenced two of our number to death. Are you challenging my judgment? Not at all. But I want everybody to consider whether our current methods are causing as much suffering as possible. I want to think bigger. Direct, hands-on murder is great and all, but it puts us at risk of being caught every time we do it. What if we could accomplish it indirectly with less risk of being caught while resulting in much more death and suffering? Are you trying to sell us flying machines? Obviously, aerial bombardment's great, but how can we afford I'm talking about convincing every citizen in the United States to take one step closer to murder, to think of killing someone as behaving heroically. You want to recruit everyone in the USA? No, we don't need to recruit them. We need to shift their thinking just a little bit. We need them to think, wouldn't I be a great guy if I shot someone who deserved it? If only I could find someone who deserves it. Well, when you're scared all the time, anybody you end up shooting seems like they deserved it. Where are we going with this, Greg? I'm talking about a cultural shift. We need to worm our way into every form of media, new and old. Novels, poetry, short stories, newspapers, magazine features, film, radio. Chat books. Sure. Telephone directories. I suppose. Anyway, we just put our spin on things. Narratives depicting killers as heroes. Imagine if we could increase gun deaths, injuries, maybe even gun suicides. America could be number one. We could recast invasions and colonization as heroic acts of defense. These people can't take care of themselves. Surely they can't be trusted to run their own countries. We just step in there and keep them safe from, from the portion of their country who wants to rule themselves. Exactly. I wasn't sure I could sell you on this idea, Ted. No, I see it. It sounds great. The pen is mightier than the gun. We can cause more death and suffering with our pens or given a little speech for radio or the newsreels, than if each of us ran out in the streets with pistols blazing in both hands. It might take 20 or 30 years before we can really shift the culture. No, no, we'd just be adding some momentum to a strain of thought that's been here all along. 
But imagine if everyone treasured guns as part of their identity. Your brother-in-law doesn't like what you said about the war in Spain. Your neighbor's trimming branches off your tree that hangs into his yard. Pretty soon you solve those problems with guns. The more people kill each other, the more they feel unsafe. What'll make them feel safer? More guns. Relaxing laws until citizens can carry weapons everywhere. What if we explained the well-regulated militia part of the Second Amendment didn't mean anything? People should only pay attention to the last few words in it. Convince everyone that the Founding Fathers wanted every idiot to own the most powerful weapons he could get his hands on. Grenades, mortars, TNT, mustard gas. Don't let's go crazy now, brother. If we can get a modest increase in suffering, that would be worth it. You know, I've had an idea that I've been sitting on. Hearing your suggestion, Greg, it's made me want to be just as bold. It's been our tradition going back unknown eons to spell the name of our cult with a silent letter P. Nacotic Reavers Amalgamated. I don't even know what that first word means. Some founding member of the cult, maybe? All I know is that spelling nacotic with a silent letter P confuses the hell out of the newbies. Sometimes we leave clues to draw detectives into our traps, and they lose our carefully laid trail because they're looking for nacotic without the P. What if we dropped the silent P and spelled it like it sounds? N-A-K-O-T-I-C. I don't know, Brother Ted. It's always been the P-R-A. It sounds weird and mysterious when you pronounce it like a word. I love to tell a victim, your death warrant has been sealed by the pra. If we took off the silent letter P, we'd just be the nra, I guess. Frankly, I don't think pra sounded that weird or mysterious. I think we should say the initials. Our death cult is the N-R-A. Have you considered that those initials might get us confused with another well-established organization, the N-R-M-A? It doesn't really matter if people get us confused with the NRMA. We already control them anyway. I don't want to rush anybody into this. We'll vote next week to either amend the spelling of our name or to rend Brother Butter in the Gobberworts for the lousy idea. What? Why me? You're the one who proposed it. Item three. Our payments to Alderman Grappelli, the governor, and a few other politicians are due the day before the solstice. Do we have enough blood money? I'd like to hear from the Treasury Committee. Mr. Chairman, we have plenty of blood, not a lot of money. We've been filming that process of procuring blood, haven't we? I thought sales of the snuffle films were going to end our money worries. Distribution turned out a little trickier than we thought. The first five outfits that ordered them turned out to be undercover G-men, which led to gun battles and knife fights, which again, gave us more blood but no money. Have you found another way to provide money or will you be providing your blood? We'll keep on looking for a distributor. In the meantime, we can fall back on our areas of expertise. Manufacturing fine quality hooded robes, candles in a variety of shapes and surprising internal colors, and a taxidermy shop providing goat skulls, human skulls, and other ritual props. Brother Zogal closed the deal with Papa Jim's Botanica, a fairly substantial order. Also, we robbed the pinball factory payroll, so we'll be okay until at least the equinox. We've come to the end of tonight's ceremony. Brother Lycan will lead us in our closing prayer. And that's our cue. Time for a word from our sponsor. The National Rifle Manufacturers Association wants everyone to feel safe with firearms, especially youngsters. We want the world to know the stories they've heard about hunters driving through fields blind drunk, paralyzing deer in headlights, and poaching all kinds of animals out of season are exaggerated. Even the stories about Uncle Craig? That's not your line, Billy. Oh, sorry, Dad. Uh, poaching all kinds of animals. Here it is. 
The best way to enhance the reputation of sportsmen is to fund hunter safety courses for young adults or older gunmen who are new to shooting. That's right, son. We set them on the straight and narrow so they'll behave like responsible gunmen. At least, that's what we thought was best. What do you mean? It turns out that was the wrong way to go. Have you ever tried to tell a teenager something? They don't listen. Effective immediately, the NRMA has ceased sponsorship of all hunter safety courses. If you want a good reputation for hunters, you just need better marketing. You don't need to fill kids' heads with a lot of tyrannical rules that limit their choices and freedoms. So grab a gun, ask your pa how to handle it, and exercise your freedom today. So I can only bear arms if I have permission from an adult? That's right. You're just like those so-called hunter safety teachers. You want to tell people they can't use firearms unless they adhere to your narrow rules. I mean, it's kids, Billy. Telling kids they can only use firearms. Of course! First they came for the kids! Gun grabbers are always nickel and diming us honest gun owners with these regulations. You start with age restrictions, and then you won't allow convicted domestic abusers to carry concealed weapons. Pretty soon we're unarmed and there's nothing citizens can do to stop a dictator from taking control. Billy, you're not a gun owner. That's my .30-06. Now take it outside and play. All right. We now return to Falk Ziljan in Cultivating Leverage. Bang, bang! Stay down, you scumbag woodchuck! Falk began to back away from the legion of mindlessly droning zealots, hoping to leave without being seen. Before he had taken ten steps, one of the cultists approached and greeted him with a hand signal. Leaving so soon, brother? Oh, hey, Owatagul. Yeah, Watagul, whatever. I can barely make out your face, but it seems familiar. Uh, we probably worked on a committee together. What committees have you served on? Oh, brother, what committees haven't I served on? Cleanup, recruiting, blade sharpening, kitchen staff. Tell me about it. They're right about those candles, huh? Scraping wax out of the grout between the floor tiles? Sure. Now that you mention it, your voice seems familiar to me, brother. Is that... Castro? Yes. Falk, let's get out of here. You heard what they said. We've got to stop them. Yeah, I started formulating a plan, but then I heard what they said. What a bunch of maroons. There's no way they'll be able to carry out an agenda like that. Can you imagine? Shifting the American culture so everyone thinks killing is heroic? Americans feeling terrified all the time and sleeping with their fingers on triggers? But the virgin sacrifices and the flaying and the blood? Falk, they can't even get through a 10-minute meeting without killing each other over petty disagreements. This organization will tear itself apart without us having to lift a finger. Our efforts would be better directed at stopping Regina, the queen pin of crime. I heard her crew has been selling security info to other low-level criminals. That's the only reason these fools were able to pull off the pinball factory payroll heist. I don't know. I think I'm going to stick around and find a way to bring them down. Just in case the hands-on direct killing faction of the cult triumphs over the shadowy, attitude-manipulating faction. Maybe there's a hidden lever around here that causes the temple to self-destruct. Why would anyone build a lever like that? Haven't you seen Bride of Frankenstein? Never mind. I'll create a distraction and give you time to escape. These ancient scrolls should do the trick. Okay, stay safe, Falk. Everyone stop chanting. You there! Who's that kid at the back of the room? He's setting all our papers on fire. Where did he get that crazy smile? I got it from this gun in my hand. False Now all of you, stand back. Your aim is incredibly bad. I wasn't aiming at any of you. I was aiming for that sconce. You were aiming for Wisconsin? The sconce, the thing on the wall that holds a torch. I thought it might be a hidden lever that would cause the temple to blow up. 
Why would anyone be stupid enough to design that in their base of operations? And if we did, we certainly wouldn't put it somewhere in plain sight like a sconce on the wall. Just to play devil's advocate, though, let's say you wanted to make your getaway without leaving behind evidence or clues for anyone to track you down. You might have a hidden lever that- Damn it, Brother Greg! You were on the planning committee, weren't you? And the clearest minds won the day, so we did not build a self-destruct lever. It's not in one of those other three wall sconces? No. And if it was, it would require a person to put their weight on it, really heave. It wouldn't be triggered by something as simple as a, wait, no. stop, haven't you been listening to me? It's not. You're only making a fool of yourself, Ziljan. It's not going to self-destruct. Was that the fourth sconce? <laughs> See, I told you so. I thought you were bluffing. No, we hashed it out in the planning committee. Not just until we had a majority, but until we reached consensus. I convinced them that a temple self-destruct lever would be idiotic. We also discussed that if a person was going to do something that stupid, the lever shouldn't be somewhere as obvious as the sconce on the wall that holds a torch. And it should definitely take some effort so it wouldn't go off when someone bumps it with their shoulder or a bullet. Brother Greg, you're aware that I only assigned everybody to committees to keep them out of my hair while I make the real decisions? I understand that Robert's rules are not the guiding light for our bloody death cult. And you've probably discovered how I keep microphones concealed throughout the temple chambers so I can monitor everyone. I like to hear the deliberations of our various committees so I can make an informed decision when I override them. I think I see where you're going with this. You did implement the lever in one of the wall sconces and it's already been triggered. Did you at least build the hidden self-destruct lever with a delay so we'd have time to escape before it came crashing down? Of course. Say, where's that guy Ziljan? I think he escaped. Cultivating Leverage, episode 57 of This Gun in My Hand, was pinched by Red Hot Rob Northrup. This episode and all others are available on YouTube with automatically generated closed captions of dialogue. Visit thisgunninmyhand.blogspot.com for credits, show notes, information on how to subscribe, and to buy my merchandise. That's right, you can now buy hats, shirts, and tote bags to show your devotion to This Gun in My Hand. Just order a paper copy of one of the books available on my website, Unfold it over your head, you got a hat. Or tear out the pages and sew them into a stylish t-shirt, cape dress, or tote bag. Or if you like non-fungible tokens, I have something right up your alley but way better. No coal mines will have to be exhausted to fuel computers to maintain the blockchain for this unique digital item, but you will have a valuable, one-of-a-kind digital item. No one else has it. It's an ebook called Little Heist in the Big Woods and Other Revisionist Atrocities by Robert Thomas Northrup. Buy one now, and you'll be the first and only person to have a copy. You can tell everyone you know you have the only copy in the world. What could be more unique than that? This gun in my hand. <laughs>